This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, a double dip of first picks. First up, Thomas McConvey of the Rochester Nighthawks makes his NLL debut next Friday night. Producer Donnie's got something cooking in Fort Worth. Just don't tell him the odds. Speaking of odds, cool bets got prop bets. All that and more on OTCB. Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Cook, Dixon, airmails it wide. Loose ball to King, lost there by Charbonneau, 19 on 19. King spins off his man, short side. Scores, he's got four. Tough defense leads to offense, and I know it's Ryan Tarafenko who tickles twine here, Pete, but how about this? Loose ball picked up by Tarafenko. Luke Megnan's looking at the bench. He has nothing to do with the offense. Just wants to set that hard pick, frees up just enough space for Tarafenko to get that shot off. Mark Matthews to church, wide open in the slot, scores! And it's in the kids to bed. Robert Church wins it in overtime. It's Berg handling for Stotts. Skips a pass. Crowley scores! With one second on the clock, it's assist number three for Austin Stotts. And they're spreading the love. Dave, you talk about swinging the ball side to side. This is picture perfect. A laser pass directly through the middle of the defense. And Jeff T catches and shoots all in one motion. You see it go from one side to the other. Now, Digby's right through the middle of the defense. Lee swings over. Williams in tight. McLaughlin denied by Vince. What a stop. And what a game from the legend, Matt Vince. The Bandits break the spell. Revenge over Colorado. Redemption in Buffalo. And the Bandits are 2023 NLL champions. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. We are one week away. Seven whole days before a new National Cross League season gets started on Friday, December 1st. We got a lot to get to. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at PGreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner, the show at OTCB underscore podcast. We're on the Instas at OTCB podcast. A week away. How excited is Pat Gregoire? Pat Gregoire is all sorts of fired up. It, <laughs> it's crazy to believe. Fast forward a week. Um, I will be close. Actually, you know what? Yeah, right about now, I'll be hitting the road. I'll be hitting the road, uh, getting ready to mm-hmm. go go to Toronto Pearson International Airport alongside Ashley Docking and Pistol Pete Dalladay. Mm. Uh, our producer, uh, Peter Buchanan, will already be in Halifax. He's taken the early flight. He's he, all he'll be seven of- chowders deep and eight pizzas <laughs> yeah. and five euros. Oh yeah, he'll be down. I'm fired up though, man. Like, uh, if it felt like the starter camp was really slow, but yeah. it seems like this last week has just flown by. Absolutely flown by. Like, uh, I was I, honestly, I was you know going through you know book my travel through TSN. Um, all that stuff. And then I look, I'm like, 
you know, I, I get the confirmation back. I'm like, this is, this is in 12 days. Like this is, this is coming really soon, but I'm all sorts of fired up, man. Um, rosters are coming up real close. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to really see the the shape of what the teams are going to look like. Uh, and I, I could not be more excited. And, and we get a great opening weekend to boot with that double header, a game in Vegas, uh, and then a couple games on Saturday, man. Like I, I it is here. It's well, it's not here yet, but it's almost here. Yeah, we're like you said, we're starting to see some rosters take shape. <clears throat> some of the names that are getting cut this past week and most recently Thursday, uh, even on Wednesday, some head scratchers and, and some guys that maybe a lot of people thought were going to be mainstays on some rosters and. Some guys that still deserve to be there. I think maybe the one that caught everybody maybe a bit off guard was Nate Grennan being snipped by Panther City. Uh, Brett McIntyre and Connor Watson go to the practice lists for Colorado Mammoth. But again, we're starting to see more holdouts. JT Giles Harris put on the holdout list for the New York Riptide. Is that a... PLL NLL thing or is JTGH just busy uh Kevin Orleman put on the IR uh, so he won't be available for week one so when you're looking at your team sometimes you're scratching your head saying what what are we doing where are all my guys going but have faith let the coaching staff and the GMs do your thing You got a few more days before rosters are officially sort of frozen before opening week. But yeah, we're starting to see some some rosters take shape. Some guys get snipped that a lot of people didn't think was going to happen because that's just how good the league is right now. Yeah, I I think I honestly think that that's something that we're going to see over, you know, the next couple of days here that there are going to be some names and further names that we are expected but with that being said don't like you said don't panic they're mm-hmm. going to show up somewhere else I think with Grennan it kind of was an, a numbers game for yeah. him I know he's a guy that you know his best season came in his first year last year a little bit of a drop off but when you look at that offense especially on the left side obviously and we'll be able to, to dive in a little bit deeper with this roster um, a little bit later with one of our guests, but you look at the lefties, you, you look, obviously Will Malcolm runs that left side. Um, Jason Knox comes into the fold as a highly touted rookie. Mm-hmm. Matthew Goche, what a great season he had last year. They pick up Cole pickup. And then a guy I think in training camp that has really impressed people um, at no surprise of myself. Cause every time I've seen this guy play, uh, I've always thought he's just a solid steady forward in the NLL that kind of does a little bit of everything is Justin Scott. Mm, mm-hmm. so the fact that he's down in Panther city as another lefty is just, it, it's just the odd man out at that point. And yeah. I think him getting cut also could have also been an indication that maybe he said no to the practice roster. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And, so, and I think it's the, the courtesy of, Hey, we're going to release you now. You still got four or five days to find another team to get picked up by instead of, you know, snipping them at late Sunday night after last week in a practice. Exactly. You give them this opportunity. And yeah, it's, it, it comes to a point where GMs are saying to guys, Hey, 
do you want a practice roster spot or do you want to test free agency? You know, Connor Watson and Brett McIntyre in Colorado probably could have done the same thing, but have decided, you know what? Yeah, we'll take the practice roster spot. Mm-hmm. We're good with that. And everybody's different, right? It's not a, it's not a slight on Grennan for him saying, no, I don't want a practice roster spot. That's a guy who truly believes and has already shown that he can hang in the national lacrosse league. So it'd be interesting to see how the next couple of days play out um, as more transactions come down the wire. Originally, um, we had thought that the cut down day was going to be the 25th, um, which is Saturday. Um, but now just getting confirmation, it's going to be Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So teams will have one more weekend of camp this weekend. A couple teams are having some scrimmages. And then you probably see some late minute, late, late cuts Sunday night, and then some teams scrambling to see what's left on Monday before rosters are frozen at 3 p.m. So just a few more days before you can actually start to take stock and see what your team's looking like. And guys like you and me can finally put real stat sheets together for our games. That, that's funny you mentioned that. My girlfriend was like, you, you know, she had some work to do um, at night this week. And she's like, why don't you start doing some of your prep for your, for your NL? Usually you're, this is like, you know, the timeline when you're starting yeah. to do that stuff, right? I go, we don't have roster. Sure, I can do some stuff, but yeah. no, my luck, um, a trade will go down or someone's going to get cut or someone, someone's going to be in the lineup that we didn't expect to be in the lineup. And that's another thing to keep in mind, folks, as well. Um, the opening day roster might not be exactly what it's going to be by midseason. It probably mm, won't yeah. be. There's going to be some of your favorite players that are going to be on the IR or maybe they're on the active but they're healthy scratch for the first game. So some of these guys might start on the on the active roster, um, but they might find themselves then sprinkling down to the practice roster. Some teams, their rosters are pretty much set now if you see some cuts, like a team like Halifax, just kind of me obviously, you know, being close to that team um, and also covering them next week for the home opener. I've been kind of going through um, those rosters and it yeah. looks like that roster set, it's now who's going to be on the active, who's going to be on the practice roster. That's now the decision um, that these GMs are going to have to make for a lot of these teams. But Mm -hmm. we talked about it last week, Buffalo, like they're completely banged up. They're going to be a lot of guys that they had no idea that not only were they going to be on the active roster to start the year or dressed to start the year, they maybe even thought they were going to be practice roster guys or bubble practice roster guys. So, Again, these teams are. It's great to get a roster on paper and see what the team's going to look like, but don't hit the panic button week one if you're wondering like where are all these guys? Um, guys are banged up, uh, especially the guys coming from PLL or Man Cup. They don't really have much of an off season at all. So, so be patient. Um, allow these guys to rest up. The last thing you want is rush a guy into the NLL season coming mm. off a, an injury. Yeah, I'm just looking at my. Not I already have my game sheets sort of done. I just had to take Grendog off. But, you know, Vancouver's Vancouver's almost there, in my opinion, with, with their roster. They got maybe a couple snips to make a uh, decision on a couple of guys, whether they're going to be practice roster or full roster guys. And, and I don't think Panther City is too far away either. So uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. And yeah. we're getting close to opening weekend. Um okay. 
But before that, though, because you mentioned Vancouver, and I yeah. can't not ask because, uh, you know, I've been banging his drum for for a long time. I even, you know, had the opportunity to coach him um, in that bubble season uh, for a little bit. Owen Grant, you know, this that was your first time being able to see him up close and personal. He didn't play. Uh, he didn't play all week. I didn't see. He didn't play Saturday. I didn't well, see him play. Oh, uh, it's too bad because I was going to ask you. <laughs> and what, I didn't. I didn't stick around. I didn't show up for the nine a.m. scrimmage on Sunday morning. So uh, you know what? Friday for night, next Friday will be the first time I've ever seen Owen Grant play. Okay, so I will. Uh, I guess in two weeks, our next show, I want a, a little bit of a report on OG and how you think he's oh, going to fare in the national I, league, <laughs> man. I am so stoked. Not only to see him play, I truly am looking forward to seeing this Vancouver defense. Oh my God. Go yeah. around the league, Patty. Tell me your top three, four defensive teams, like unit wise. And if Vancouver's not in that group, you're not really realizing what they've done to their team. I, you bring Here, up a great mid-speed, yeah. Dillston, Bowering, Subak, Kirkness, Klarich, or sorry, Kalinich, Lintz, Willman, Owen Grant. Like this is going to be one of the toughest defenses to go up night in and night out. And you know, Rob Williams can coach the hell out of some deep. And this, if if we've talked about it the last few weeks, if Aaron Bold can give them quality minutes, doesn't have to be a world beater, just has to make the saves he's got to make. This team really turned some heads this year. Yeah, and I think at the at the start of free agency, there was a lot of talk like, okay, top five versus top five or top three versus top three. Mm-hmm. There really was no argument that you you couldn't have Vancouver in the top three. But now as you list those bodies and now that more guys come into the fold, a couple other free agencies mm-hmm. later in the summer, some of these younger guys, you know, like a John, you know, um, you know, Braden Lady, um, yeah. him, proving, him. him proving that he's going to going to be able to, to, to stick on with this team, the trade to get Subak. Um Mm-hmm. You know, just going through. This is also a deep defense that deep, can dude. go toe to toe. And I, I, you bring up the toughness, you bring up the size, but they're also fast too. Mm-hmm. Man. They've got some speedsters back there. I'm really excited to see what this team can do from the back end. I, I think you got to put them in the conversation. You know, with the likes of the Toronto's, the Buffaloes, yeah. some of the, the top defensive teams. You know, Halifax, Colorado. Um, those are those are the teams that have been the top defensive teams. Yeah, that have top end elite talent, but Vancouver's right there, man. They are right there in the mix. We're gonna talk with Thomas McConvey and producer Donnie Jonathan Donville here in a little bit. Um, maybe a little right after we do positive vibes. But um, before we get to that, did you see the San Antonio <laughs> LA Clippers game the other night? Oh my God, did I ever. Okay, so if fans, if you didn't, Kawhi Leonard, obviously a former San Antonio Spur, uh, there are rumors and reports that he wanted out of San Antonio. Um, So Clippers are playing in San Antonio on Wednesday night. Kawhi's at the free throw line and the fans are just relentlessly booing him. Every time he touched the ball, they're booing him. So the GOAT that is Greg Popovich 
the head coach of the Spurs, literally walks down the sideline to the scorer's table, grabs a microphone, and tells everybody in attendance in the San Antonio arena to stop (laughs) booing Kawhi. Quote, that's not who we are. Stop it. Can you imagine two years ago when when Dane Doby makes his return to Calgary and all the fans are just booing the hell out of Doby because he's putting up a six spot on him and Kurt Miloski runs across the floor, grabs the microphone and tells the fans to stop booing? <laughs> what did you think of that? I or is that just stopped. pops being pops? I think it's pop being pop. Like after he said, like they asked, like what what was the line of thinking that and he said, like don't poke the bear. So, it, you know, it's not. Was it really about being classy? No, it was like he probably did, he didn't want to poke the bear in Kawhi and and have him play pissed off. But again, yeah. it's it's just such a weird thing. Like we've never I've never seen anything quite like this. But it's pop. That's what pop does. Yeah. But with that being said, and. I, I hate being this guy because, uh, you know, people always throw this out. But, like, if if you pay money to sit in that arena, like, you you should have the right to, to yeah. boo or cheer or, as long as you're not doing anything. Oh, as long as in reason. Exactly. And is really booing him, really doing anything yeah. hurtful? No. It's Kawhi. He doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care at all. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, just such a bizarre, bizarre thing to come across Twitter the other night. Um, weird, but yeah, that your example of Miloski that would be just hilarious. Stop booing Dane. It's not who we are. Um, hilarious. I remember Sam Weish, like years ago, the old Bengals coach ran across the field and told the fans to stop like throwing snowballs. But that's just because it was in the middle of a snowstorm and the Bengals were the bungles and they were getting pounded. Like I get it. I've, I've, it's not often we see GMs, coaches, players, staff or whatever, get on a microphone at a live sporting event. But that was the only sort of thing that ever it popped in my head of ever happening before. Um, we talked about teams having scrimmages and things like that as we just went on an NBA tangent for some reason in my brain. Um, <laughs> Does it surprise you that the Georgia Swarm rarely play preseason games? Oh, that's a, that is a really good question. Because they only played one so far. I think they have another one this weekend. And last year they, they kind of did the same thing. And I know, you know, locale-wise, they're based out of Georgia. But truly, most of their guys are upstate New York, Ontario. Like, they're they're in close proximity to each other. But last year they got off to a slow start and it finally took them seven weeks before they got the wheels going. But does it surprise you that they don't do it more or that they don't scrimmage more? Or is that just Eddie Como's MO? I wouldn't question any anything that Eddie Como does, to True. be quite honest, because he's got the the record to prove it. But I it is it is a little bit question like it's questionable why they do it. And and I think those question marks should come up but with that being said i think you know he's gone on the record and and have said that yes the slow start was concerning that's why they pushed their exhibition games a little bit closer to the season that's why they have one uh, they're gonna have one this weekend and then i do believe next week 
when NLL is kicking off, they're going to also do some sort of weekend where the team's together. They're going to practice. Um, I think they're going to do some sort of team building event. Mm -hmm. There's obviously rules around it. Once the season starts, what, like how many times you can get together, but I know Vegas did something similar last year as well. Um, But talking to Como about that at the Canadian lacrosse hall of fame, a few, few weeks ago, um, he was very, very well aware that not only can they not start off slow, um, but he said the, the start that they had last year obviously cost them, mm-hmm. and, but they were within, you know, just arm's reach of getting in the playoffs. Yeah, like half with, or something like that. With the new setup of the unified standings, he said, like, Pat, we can kiss playoffs goodbye if we start oh, like yeah. that again. Absolutely. So they're well aware. Um, I don't think they're 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 neglecting it for any other reason. I think it's just this is the the formula that they feel like this group can work, and we'll see. Uh, yeah. Week week two, they kick off things against Colorado at home. Uh, pretty tough test going up against the runners up in in week one. And that's always a good game too. Colorado San Diego or Colorado Georgia. They've they played some some thrilling games over the past years. So yeah, it just kind of stuck out. In my head the other day, when talking about all these scrimmages that teams have had and playing multiple scrimmages in one weekend and things like that, just checking out, and, and I was like, well, "Man, who's Georgia played?" And it turned out they'd only played Halifax once. Um, well, but again, uh, don't don't argue with Como's recipe because he knows what he's doing. On that note, then I'll, I'll throw something at you: uh, a similar, I guess, strategy in in training camps. Yeah. If you're playing in week one. Um, what plan of, of attack do you go? Do you want to play a scrimmage the week before to make sure you're all fine-tuned and, and ready to go? You have that that action running into the next week, or are you taking a week off from competition and slowing things down, making sure guys are healthy, ready to go, and, and maybe more focusing on your own systems to yeah. tune and get ready? Yeah, this week, if I'm Vancouver, Panther City, Halifax, San Diego, or uh, Saskatchewan, whoever, all the teams that are playing this weekend, Rochester, I'm not scrimmaging. I'm not putting my guys in a position to get hurt. Um, I'm I'm going into this weekend, you know, it's it's a 27-man roster, like all complete with practice roster guys and everything like that. I'm going in with 29, 30 guys. Uh, I want to be as close to my final roster as possible. I want to be putting in my six on five plays. I want to be putting in my last minute situations uh, where we need the ball or we have the ball. We got to be doing those things because after this weekend, you really only have one more practice to go before that game. And you don't want to be rushing to put those things in last minute. So um, I'm of the mind that you've got those first two and a half, three weeks to, to figure out, who's making your team and then that final weekend so this weekend leading up for most of the clubs um you're making your last decisions and and you're putting your your big systems in place like the majority of your team is there you're probably deciding between you know a guy if he's going to be active or practice or maybe one of those guys is a last minute cut but the bulk of your team like i would imagine vancouver's starting 19 is already set in Kurt Miloski's mind. So he can go ahead and plan for that game one lineup, putting people in their spots. So that's my opinion. You? 
I totally agree. I, I totally agree. I, I do like the idea, and, and Kurt Belowski's done this before. I don't think he had the, the luxury of doing it this year. But I like the idea of your last exhibition game being in the big arena, mm. having game ops there, have the big lights, have the flash. That's true. Like, I like that. But then again, I would also like that to have a gap in between. Like, so your last, let's say that exhibition game was last week, this week, you're just practicing with just your team, getting your systems in place. And then the following is go time. I just think having one game that feels a little more like a real game. You're wearing your real jerseys. Mm-hmm. Like I said the PA guy is there. Yeah, I get that. Um, I know it's the young guys. Especially for the young guys. Bingo, exactly. It, it gets rid of those jitters. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not quite the same, um, but it, it is huge for the young guys. And I, I think it's great. I think it's also a good opportunity for your fans to get a little taste of exhibition action as well. Calgary, Saskatchewan in Moose Jaw this weekend, right? Yeah, it certainly is. Yes, market out in the Moose. Uh, that's a positive story. What else is in the world of positives? Well, we uh, got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only. Well, I think that this is awesome news for folks south of the border. I was disappointed to find out up here in Canada we're not able to get this. But mm-hmm. still, I'm, 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 we're keeping it positive because this is massive. Uh, war on the floor, and no, we're not talking about the old school NLL DVDs that were Epic. incredible, Epic. incredible with Joe Bone. Um, but no, war on the floor, uh, a behind the scenes, I believe it's a five episode documentary series on the San Diego Seals last year. Um, we, we, you, myself, pretty much everyone, let's be honest, are a huge fan of these behind the scenes oh. docs or series. Um, you know, uh, Thunderbirds 360 was, was awesome. Um, Rock City Unplugged was phenomenal. A lot of these teams are are putting in the time, the effort, the money to do this because let's be honest, uh, a casual sports fan or, or a sports fan or a casual lacrosse fan, that is how you reel them in. F1, look at that. Um, the drive to survive. That really got people intrigued and interest. Uh, 24-7, the series uh, that that the NHL was doing. Hard Knocks on HBO. The list goes on and on. It is a great way to get eyeballs and, and to get a, that emotional attachment to your teams, to your product, to your league. So it's great that San Diego's doing it. It would have been awesome if they just put it out on their YouTube page. But the yeah. thing that goes beyond all of this is the fact that it is on a major platform in the United States, Amazon prime. So Mm. any random guy or girl can go on their Amazon and come across this doc. And the fact, especially if they've watched, you know, any other sort of, um, you know, sports documentary Mm. on prime prime is going to say like, you know, in their recommended viewings, recommended viewings, and that's going to be there. Yeah. The reach that Amazon Prime video has is insane. Yeah. This is huge. This is huge, huge, huge. And I would love to see this be a yearly thing. Um, each year, they go around and, and follow each or follow a new team. 
pick a new team each year. I think that would yeah, be phenomenal. Kind of hard knocks ish. Yeah, exactly. Like make war of the floor the the NLL hard knocks. I mm-hmm. think that would be phenomenal. I know it's it is a a, a, a big financial commitment for each team. We obviously yeah. know San Diego's all in for that. Um, but this is awesome. It sucks we're not going to be able to watch it here in Canada. I'm sure we can figure out a way. FBI, hey. if you're listening, don't, <laughs> don't listen. But there's a way that we'll find find a way to to, to get our paws on this because it, it, um, from the previews, man, it looks sick. Who who was it that said it's funny that Amazon is showing a documentary that's paid for by the <laughs> Alibaba Group? <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, it's uh, Evan Shemenar's, uh, I think it's like 13-year-old. Oh, son. yeah, yeah, Vasily. <laughs> Pretty smart kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had they they teased a video of it the other day and it was talking about Brody being a captain and all this stuff, but I'm pretty sure the video that they were showing was from two years ago because Jeremy Noble was on the team. Maybe they I don't know, maybe they've been they've been compiling yeah, so I'm, I'm, for the I'm, last I'm, two years. Like I was under the impression it was gonna be last year. But that video that they showed was from the, the game against or the series against Colorado. And, and that uh, best two of three series two years ago, the year Colorado won. So, so maybe maybe I'm big brain braining myself here, but no, maybe, maybe maybe it's just a collection of maybe it starts with them yeah. getting eliminated uh, against Colorado, and then it's a, a mm-hmm. continuum into the, the yeah. Following. I don't that's know. Possible, yeah. So I don't know. Um, in the states, let us know when you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll get my mom to give me a full review. Uh, <laughs> my positive vibe: uh, a legend of the game has stepped away from the summertime, and that is Paul Day. Mm-hmm. Paul Day was my first head coach in Rochester. Uh, he was my last head coach in Edmonton. But if you have been around the game for any amount of time in the last couple of decades, you know the name Paul Day. You know what he means to the sport. You know what he's done for the game of lacrosse in Peterborough and what he's done for the Lakers in allowing that franchise to be historically one of the best franchises of all time. He's not retiring from the National Lacrosse League. Obviously, he's still with the Philadelphia Wings. But allowing himself to have some time during the summer with his little kid Mac and his wife and just enjoy some time away. But what he did over the last handful of years with the Peterborough Lakers, the juggernaut that they were, uh, was absolutely phenomenal. And he's a a Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Famer whenever they want to induct him. Um, He's just one of the nicest guys you can ever talk to. He is a very, very educated and brilliant man when it comes to the sport of lacrosse. He's also one very serious customer off the floor um, (laughs) when he was working undercover uh, as a police officer and and all the sort of the areas of his life that he had to master. He just put everything he ever had into the game of lacrosse, and I'm happy he's getting some time off. I'm still thrilled that he continues to do his thing in the National Lacrosse League, but he leaves an incredible legacy behind in the Peterborough Lakers organization, and uh, we should all be thankful that we got to witness what he does and what he does best. Yeah, there, there's not too many guys I enjoy talking lacrosse when it's our, our weekly calls or you know running mm-hmm. in, into them at the the, the mem in the summer. Um, 
you know, he always, always gives his time and it's not just, you know, talk about whatever and call goes off. Like a lot of the times after, after we talk about the upcoming week, um, we'll stay on the call and, and talk about his days in Peterborough and, um, you know, him being buddies with, you know, Dallas Eakins and, yeah. and just all the, all his buddies from Peterborough and some of the funny stories and uh, his playing days and whatnot. And then next thing you know, we're like, Oh shoot, we got to get off a call here, Paul. Like we got something <laughs> yeah, else coming yeah. up here. Um, but it's, yeah, such a genuine, nice person. But in terms of what he did for that Lakers organization, like he, so not forget, like the Lakers did have a little bit of a, a down spell where they weren't this dynasty, this powerhouse that was winning, um, you know, they were still a good team, but you know, there was other teams that were winning before them, you know, the Bramptons, the six nations, and yeah. he got them back to being the powerhouse. He, he made sure that, you know, that they were a team that would, would be competing each and every summer for a man cup. And, and you're, you're right. He deserves time off. Uh, I know he's obviously really busy in the winter with his, his wings gig. Uh, but I know in the summer, a, a lot more time for family, I know his kids getting a little bit older and, and getting more involved in the game of lacrosse at a higher level. So yeah. he's coaching there as well. So um, I don't know how much of time off really he's getting, yeah. getting whether yeah. he's just more or less shifting his focus elsewhere. But uh, Hazen, obviously a, a very capable replacement, uh, big shoes to, to fill and uh, reading the press release or the article about it. He said, uh, I know Paul's not going to be there every single day, but I'm going to still be picking up the phone and, and really leaning on him and, and having a lot of guidance. And and I know, yeah. I know PD is going to be, he's going to have no problem doing that. It's going to be hard for him to completely step away. From that role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Paulie took over for Ted Higgins um, in the late, you know, 2009, 2010 ish. Like you said, after Brampton and six nations started going to some cups, um, in the end of that, you know, early 2000 Peterborough Lakers run. And now he's just taken them to a whole new level and uh, interesting to see where they go this year. But our first guest uh, will be playing his first National Lacrosse League game this weekend. And it's been a while since he's gotten a chance to play some high-level lacrosse. And he's looking to do it with the Rochester Nighthawks, Thomas McConvey, first overall pick a couple years ago. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. What's going on? What are you up to today? I'm uh, down here in Rochester now. Just moved into my place a couple weeks ago, so still settling in a little bit. Um, just kind of hanging out. I'm actually going to head over to Dan and Carrie's uh, house for American Thanksgiving dinner, so looking forward nice. to it. Where, where do they got you living in Roch? Uh, I just got an apartment about 10 minutes out from downtown. Uh, just a nice apartment, and I'm actually right down the street from Ryan Reese, so uh, me and hang, him hang out uh, quite a bit. That's awesome. I know Ryland's in uh, market. Are there any other guys on, on the squad that uh, will be living in market this year? Yeah, so it's us two. Then we got Brad Gillies and then uh, Dan Coates is kind of, he's mostly here now for the season, but he's also kind of in Buffalo. So kind of back and forth, but just mostly us four. And then Taylor Jensen as well. He's a RIT guy. So us five kind of hanging out. We mentioned uh, you were a first overall pick a couple years ago. We, it, you were back at school your first few years at Vermont before transferring to Virginia. And we haven't had too many guys on and, and asked them this, but what was the process of, of, you know, dealing with that COVID extra year and deciding where you wanted to go and, and end up picking Virginia? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a different process. Obviously I love my time in Vermont. It was probably the best choice I ever made to choose, choose there for my four years. But, um, you know, after, after seeing that we got that extra year for COVID, I kind of knew I wanted to, 
um, explore maybe some different opportunities and maybe some different different places, see what else was out there for me after after my time there. And um, so I actually entered the portal in my fall of my senior year at Vermont because I kind of wanted to get it out of the way. I didn't want to have to deal with it during my senior season at Vermont and kind of not be a distraction, just kind of get out of the way in the fall when nothing's kind of going on. So I kind of did that and you know, just kind of looking for maybe a little bit of an upgrade and kind of going to a bigger school, ACC, and also just a kind of the academic-wise as UVA is one of the highest level programs out there academic-wise. So, um, yeah, it was just it was definitely a different process. Um, uh, I know Coach Fice was very open in helping me out, and he did a lot for me, so I appreciate him a lot. But um, ultimately, I love my decision to go to Vermont and Virginia and enjoyed both times uh, equally. It didn't uh, hurt that your buddy uh, Peyton Cormier was there too, right? <laughs> yeah, he was definitely definitely an influencer uh, in helping me get there. And uh, you know, we've been playing together since we were three, four years old. So um, kind of an easy choice to go to, to go join him. What was it like playing with with a guy that you've played? You know, from from being a kid, barely being able to walk, and you're playing lacrosse with him, and then you said it, playing uh, at one of the biggest programs in NCAA lacrosse history. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, we had a we had a two person apartment, me and him, so we had some good times in there. And um, <laughs> it, it was easy, you know. We had that we had that chemistry going back all the way uh, since we were little kids, like you said. And um, just kind of getting back on the field, it took a couple of days, but uh, once we kind of got out there, you kind of know each other's every move. You're basically like brothers at that point. So um, you know where he's thinking, you know what I'm thinking, and um, the chemistry just kind of flowed quite easily. And um, Coach Kerwin had a great game plan. He kind of like let us. He had, his, he had his simple model, but he kind of let us do our thing because he knew that he trusted us with with our background and our uh, our knowledge of each other. Take me back to 2022, um, September 10th, the draft. Um, obviously, it, it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, you're getting drafted, but you have to wait a year. What was that feeling like knowing that you were a national crosser, but you did have to wait? Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Uh, obviously, I, I love box cross. That's probably my uh my favorite favorite game i that's when i fell in love with when i was a little kid and um you know getting that moment you go to all the toronto rock games going up in toronto and seeing all those legends play for that for that team and all the legends come through from the away teams and um kind of just that surreal experience of like wow like i'm i'm part of that now i'm i'm one of those guys now i'm playing against all these all these guys and um obviously kind of i didn't really think about the year off at that point i kind of let it just kind of sink in that i'm i'm a part of this league now and it's a dream come true and then um, kind of watching all the games last year and, and all that stuff. You're kind of itching at that. I want to get out there. I want to play more box. I want to play box. I want to start, start, start this up, start this up again. But um, yeah, it was just, it was a really cool experience and um, finally happy to get it going here soon. You talk about watching the games. How closely did you follow the, the, the Nighthawks? I mean, they were probably one of the most, you know, surprising stories of the year, like, uh, you know, them making playoffs and, and, and really um, shocking a lot of people. Like how close were you to, to that storyline there? Yeah. I watch as many games as you can. It's nice with the ESPN plus and stuff like that. You can watch pretty much every game. So um, whenever I had the opportunity, I was tuning into all the different games and um, obviously following along really closely. Um, yeah. They had, they took a huge step last year. So that's kind of been the emphasis on camp here is, you know, not not being satisfied with that big step and making the playoffs. It's continuing the urgency to keep going, keep building on that step and taking more steps this year. How has the step to the NLL been? It's been good. Um, honestly, like you said, it's been it's been a while since I played box. I didn't play box since um, that junior A bubble in 2021 there in Oakville, and it's just eight or nine games. And um, obviously, I took the year off 
uh, this past year for the PLL and the year before that I was playing for the U21 Team Canada team. So I didn't want to play any MLSL before that. So, you know, it's, it's been it's been different. Um, the first kind of couple of days were, were a little challenging. You're kind of getting your getting your feedback and your um, the in tight spaces, getting all that, that little little spaces back. But um, I think it's been really good. There's been a lot of guys helping me along. Um, all the team, all the guys here, all the vets, and you know, Dan's been a huge part of it. Hazer's been a huge part of it, and they've been helping me along this process. And um, it, it's been good to get back out there. If you're from Ontario, clearly, and you follow the junior ranks, they they know all about you and what you're able to do with Mimico. But maybe someone, let's say from Rochester, that that isn't quite as tuned in to the junior loops. How would you best describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I would say um, I'm probably a big I'm a big body. Uh, I like to kind of I don't always love the ball on my stick. I kind of like sending picks for other guys sometimes, um, like get into the middle. Um, yeah, I feel I'm, I'm comfortable playing kind of anywhere with the ball, without the ball, um, get guys open, um, stuff like that. I, I feel like I'm a very, not like a, a pretty simple player, a really balanced player. And, um, I like to win is my only thing. So that's all, that's all I want to do is just win. So <laughs> who's one player that you're really looking forward to hitting the floor in Rochester come game time? Uh, I think it's gotta be Connor Fields. Um, just the way he way he played last year was was unbelievable. He played at like an MVP level level uh, pace there. Um, so obviously having him on the left side, uh, so working with him on on my side is is definitely huge. And he's one of the best players out there. So um, getting to know him, building some chemistry with him is, is going to be huge. And then I guess obviously the other guys is Ryan Smith on the right side. Is playing against him in junior, he was always he was always a force for Burlington there, and we always had trouble guarding him for Mimico. So being on the same side is I'm definitely happy with that and. Um, hopefully we can build some good chemistry and get it going here early in the season. Maybe excluding a guy like Dan Lomas, but you guys are a pretty big <laughs> offensive team. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember when the waters trade went down, uh, I heard some Rochester guys saying, man, we're going to have a, a big group out that front door. How difficult are you guys going to be to play against offensively? Yeah. Oh, Dan Lomas isn't a small guy. He set some good picks out there. So yeah, no, we're, we're definitely a big body. We got to, we got to use that to our, to our size. we got some, got some heavy bodies up there. So I think that's been kind of an emphasis is playing physical and not letting the defense set what we're going to do up. We're, we're going to go at you and we're going to kind of try and be physical as, in our own right. And as much as possible, push, push the defense around and, um, yeah, I think that's just kind of building our mindset and building our identity here in the preseason is something that we want to, we want to go at teams and we don't want to be pushed around. And I think we got the bodies to do that. So we just got to have that mindset and, um, kind of carry that throughout. A guy that you don't have to worry about shooting on in Orangeville anymore now is, is your goalie, Ryland Hartley. Uh, he's a guy that obviously already in his young career has proven, you know, when he's healthy, he he's good to go. How, how good does he look in camp coming into this season right now? Yeah, he's he's been unbelievable. I have some some nightmares from Junior playing him and uh, him in Orangeville. He's <laughs> definitely jumping jumping all over the net, saving every shot. And you're like, how's this guy getting to this shot? How's he getting to that shot? And it's like he's just diving all over the place, so unorthodox, but but he's so effective. And um, you can tell even in even in the NLL, he's he's taking his game to another level. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he's that flexible and that that mobile. But he's been looking great, and um, I think it's great for us as offensive guys to shoot on him every day and every practice. It's it's a different style, but it makes you really be more effective and really think about where you're shooting and kind of that deceptiveness and 
you kind of got to do that on him. So, um, yeah, he's, he's looked great, and he's pushing us all to be better. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for you making this jump? You know, we've talked about not playing box for a couple of years, but, you know, at this level, it's faster. The guys are bigger. They hit harder. They're more knowledgeable. What's going to be the biggest challenge for you going into this season? Yeah, I think there's there's a, just a different level of physicality in this league. Just the the size of guys is everyone's everyone's strong, everyone's big. Whereas in junior, you might be able to get away with like a little bit here and there, just based on being a little bit bigger than everybody or being a couple years older than everybody. But but now it's kind of everything's leveled out, so you kind of got to be more a little bit more savvy in your movement, and you can't just run through a guy to get to the middle. You kind of got to slip around them or kind of do do something more uh, deceptive with your stick and stuff like that. So I think just kind of learning those ins and outs and those tricks that these guys do that have been in this league for, for many years. And um, we got, we got a bunch of guys that are here that are kind of helping us out with that and um, just learning from them and learning that deceptiveness to kind of get open and find those little soft spaces. You've mentioned the vets a few times and and you guys have a really interesting blend of young guys with yourself, Fields, you know, Waters, Hazen, but then you also have Keo, Knight, Lomas, Evans. How nice is it having the blend of those young guys that can run and gun, but also those vets that have been there for so long and, and you can lean on them in your first training camp. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, I know Lomas was, we had some preseason runs and he was out there helping me out on the left side. And then obviously guys like Keo have done it all in this league. So um, they're definitely kind of every time, every time I go out there on like a five on five drill or even like a four on three, something like that there, there's something that they're, te- they're teaching me and they're like, Hey, if you, take two steps this way or you take one step that way, you're going to be more open or you go here instead of there. It's like every, every time they, they, they see the game so well. So um, they, they've been teaching me everything and I appreciate that a lot. And then obviously you got a bunch of young guys too, that are kind of out there still learning. So, but they have all the energy that, that we need. So uh, it's, it's a great group of guys. It's a, it's a great blend. And I think we got a, we got a great locker room this year. Is Gavin Prout running your front door again this year down there in uh, Raj? No, it's uh, Kyle Kelly. And, and Hazer's joining up there. Okay, okay. Yeah. No. Um, what's Hazen been like as a coach? You, you know, you've we've all grown up playing lacrosse, had different styles of coaches, and we've had yellers, we've had talkers, we've had guys that are right in your face. What's Mike Hazen like as a coach? Yeah, he's great. Uh, obviously, played against them all, all all my life growing up. Uh, him and him and Austin there. Um, but he, he's been he's been great on the bench. Uh, he, he's he's definitely not not la- like too loud, like a Troy Cornley where he's yelling all, all, all the game. But um, if you, if you, if you, if he does something you don't like, or he, uh, you do something he doesn't like, it's, he'll, you'll definitely know about it. And I think that that's a great blend where he's very approachable, very talk, very, you can go up to him and ask him questions and he'll answer them all day. Um, but he'll get, he'll get in your face and he'll get on you guys. If, if, if you're not playing up to the standard. And um, I think that's a perfect blend and he's been, he's been awesome so far. Just going back to your, you know, 20, was it 2017 team when you guys, you know, made that run in the Minto, just looking at the names that are now showing up on, on NLL rosters. You obviously Donville, um, you know, Cormier gets drafted this year. You've got Justin Scott, um, Robert Hudson, you know, Subak, like the the list goes on Hutchie and net. Um, How awesome is it seeing like the guys that you played, you went to war with now all coming in at different times, but close to the same time. Um, just seeing these guys also, you know, have this success at the next level. Yeah, that was, that was a great group. Um, yeah, also Tanner Thompson, Andrew Q, all those guys, those guys are our leading yeah, scorers, yeah. so we can't, we can't leave them out. But those guys, uh, all those guys, they kind of, we kind of grew up kind of, they're a couple of years older than me, so kind of grew up watching them in minor and 
getting to play alongside them at, at the highest stage there in junior was was definitely really cool. And I think we all kind of knew that at, at a young age that there's going to be a lot of a lot of players coming out of Mimico in that kind of five year age group, just from 2000s to the 97s, all the way in between. Um, you kind of knew that there was there was a great group of talent there, and um, I know just just watching different games each weekend this past past couple of years, you see a lot of Mimico talent out there, and it's it's pretty cool to see that. Now I'm joining that that uh, that group and um, keep keep on following their careers along uh, as they go up. It was crazy watching that Burlington series and just seeing how rabid the Mimico fans were, <laughs> like just screaming at Deacon Knot. Like, were, are are Mimico fans always like that? Uh, I think so. I think it's driven by the, the young guys. Some of those guys we just talked about. So yeah, the party down there, and um, yeah, it, it's good. It's it's all in good fun and stuff like that. And just trying to cheer the cheer the boys on. But yeah, I uh, definitely didn't get loud there in, in Mimico Arena. Yeah, How was, you, uh, yeah, go ahead, Patty. I was just going to say just quickly, I was with Warren Jeffrey at the uh, collegiate box championship and talking to him about the, that here, like just to hear some, you know, alumni is always proud, um, but it seems like you guys really do bleed double blue and you keep going back to watch games and, and really, really, you know, give back to that organization. You know, how, how, what, what goes into that? Is it just the fact that maybe because you guys didn't get a junior A team that you, you take it, you don't take it for, for granted? Um, because it, it is really remarkable to see how much you guys still love uh, the Mountaineers. Yeah, I, I don't really know exactly what it is. It just kind of seemed to happen. It's like, oh, you want to go to the junior A game? And yeah, sure, let's go. And you kind of just head out and there's already 10, 15 other guys just there on a random, random night. And um, you kind of have fun with them. It's kind of like a little reunion and stuff like that. You you see these guys all the time, but seeing them at a game, it's it's a lot it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. And um, I guess it's just just something that happens. I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, we have a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of fun in Rochester this year. How many garbage plates have you had so far? <laughs> I actually haven't had any. I, I learned Thomas. about it. I learned about it a week or two ago, and I searched it up. And I don't know how I feel about it, but what? I'm, I'm oh. sure I'll have to try one and, and see how it goes from there. But uh, I was actually I, I had no idea about it until. <laughs> well, good thing is there's breakfast garbage plates, and then there's late night garbage plates, so you can slowly work your way up to the feeling like a fat slob at two in the morning garbage <laughs> plate, but take yeah. your time. Um, enjoy Rochester. My first two years were there uh, living right on water street. Uh, the fans will treat you like gold. Um, it, it's an awesome experience. I've got one more. If you haven't had a garbage plate, what about dinosaur barbecue? Have you at least had that yet? I, I've driven by. We were supposed to have it for a post-game meal. <laughs> oh my I, god, I this guy just doesn't get out. <laughs> I, I, I got to get out more. I, I see. Um, but we were supposed <laughs> to have a post-game meal on the clothes or something. So I'm definitely gonna get down there soon. I've, I've heard all about Dino. I'll probably be Dino's probably higher on my list than the garbage plate. I'll say that. I I agree. I <laughs> I agree with that. I would highly recommend Dino. You guys are too in plate. shape. You guys are <laughs> <laughs> not me. Don't. Put me <laughs> the same Thomas, appreciate you, my man. Uh, can't wait to see you play your first game this weekend. I know it's been a long – or next weekend. I know it's been a long time coming for you. Uh, there will be a lot of nerves, a lot of excitement, uh, but just go out and do your thing, man. Appreciate the time. Best of luck this season. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. All right, there's Thomas Bacombe. We'll talk to Jonathan Donville here in a little bit and get sort of his perspective after, you know, 
doing the fifth year of college and having to wait after being drafted and getting back to the NLL. So we'll kind of get a, a dichotomy of what Thomas is expecting and what Jonathan Donville has experienced. So we'll talk to him in a little bit. But what did you take away from that that chat with Thomas Bacombe? I mean, there's a few things, but the one is, uh, first off, what a what a great speaker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for a rookie, he's already well beyond his years in terms of talking to to the media. Uh, but for me, it's it's you know, he's he seems like a a, a guy that's humble. Um, he recognizes that, you know, he needs to lean on his his veterans around him. Uh, and the one thing that I love, I love hearing about him from like a playing standpoint. And, and if you watch him, it's it's so true. It's not him just saying it like he's a guy that likes to kind of crash and bang, doesn't need the ball on his stick. Like. Mm-hmm in and out of his stick. He's going to be a catch and release guy, um, but he has the capabilities to carry the ball as well. So, you know, I, I, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I hope it's not our last. Um, I, I think that he's a guy that's, that's ready to roll. And how isn't he? He's had a full year to think about it. And you can tell, like, he's been waiting for this oh, yeah. he's for itching. such a long time. He's itching and he's ready to go. I'm excited to see what he can do in his first year. Yeah, that bubble year, I'm not saying it screwed him because it was a situation for everybody, but the year before that in 2019, put up 105 points in 20 games for the Mountaineers. And the next year in nine games, he puts up 48. So um, the kid has some serious talent. And when you're playing on the left side with Connor Fields and Lomas and Evans, you're going to get some touches. It'll just be interesting to see, you know, how quickly he can get his feet wet and comfortable in the National Lacrosse League and start really helping that team because where, where does this team fall, Pat? I honestly... like. I, are, are they a bubbly playoff team? Do they regress? Do they progress? And and with the unified division, man, it, it's not easy to, to pick this. And, and we're going to make picks next week, just so everybody knows. We're going to do all that stuff. We're going to make picks. We're going to do who we think will win awards, all that stuff next week. But where, where does this Rochester team fall? It's it it honestly is, is so tough to say, because I think when you look at what they did last year and the way that they kind of faltered near the end of the year, like from a analytical or from, you know, a numbers perspective, you think like, okay, were they overperforming in that first half of the, the year? Were they a team that maybe, overachieved and I think that leads to that but then when you look at this offense and you look at the guys that they have like you know this is a really talented team you talked about the lefties Mm -hmm. there's no doubt like between McCombie and Fields like that's a boatload of points but the righties man like the righties are legit too you you obviously Ryan Smith uh, continues to progress as you know a potential star in this league Curtis Knight is a Swiss Army knife, can do absolutely everything up there. Uh, Stephen Keogh showing zero signs of slowing down. Kyle Waters, what's, uh, you know, a new role for him on this team? What's he going to be able to do? Um, Austin Hazen's on that side as well. It's For me, it's like, can Rylan Hartley stay healthy? And if he's staying healthy, can he play at an elite level? Yeah. This team is, this team is, is a playoff team for sure, I think. But... If Hartley gets hurt, man, like, and they got to lean on, on Hutchcraft, nothing against Hutchcraft, but we've never seen him mm-hmm. in that capacity before. Um, 
it's really hard, man. I could see them being a top five, six team, but I could also see them just missing the playoffs as well. Like, I really don't, I can't get a good read on this team, man. Their defense too, like their defense is solid. Like you got Coates, Gillies, um, you know, O'Connor comes into the fold. So you've, you've got some of those Wiley vets, but you also have some, some younger guys like Rylan Reese, who's proving he's a top defender, Mm -hmm. you know, in this game, Mitch Ogilvie, I'm such a big fan of his game. Another year under his belt. Um, you know, Corey Highfield, if he can stay healthy, I've, I've always been a big fan of him. Uh, Matt Gilray, obviously a weapon in transition. Uh, ben McDonald comes into the fold. Like he's a highly touted prospect. Is he going to be able to hang with it? Like, is Greg Hardnett going to make that team? I, it's all indications show that he's <laughs> he's he's going to make a couple years off. Thing. Comes right back in. Crazy man, absolutely nuts. Uh, we thought we were going to see him with Buffalo. Obviously, you know yeah. he he decided you know just too much of a commitment or whatever it may have been. Um, and then now he's back and you know he's been playing in those exhibition games. He hasn't been released yet, so that leads me to believe that. <laughs> He's going to be on this freaking team, man. Um, Thomas McConvey, Dylan Watson, Owen Grant, Alex Simmons, Jason Knox. The top five picks from the 2022 draft. None of them played an NLL game yet. They will all join the NLL this year. Who has the better year? Oh, this is the old debate of rub, who can shake the rust off the fastest uh, not not even necessarily because i think that you know we've seen in in years past where maybe some rookies start slow and then they hit their stride and they're fine it's just for me i think it's between pick one and two to be quite frank okay um going to have the numbers mccombie's on a, a playing alongside fields uh there's a good chance in that two-man game he's going to pick up a lot of assists but with that being said, like I, I think Owen Grant's going to be a top, you know, five, top ten defender when all set is done in in like when he's hitting his prime, I should say, um, in the league. Like I think he's going to be a, a an elite, elite defender in this game. But does he do enough to yeah. to dethrone an offensive player for for rookie of the year? We know how the voters work; the numbers usually push everyone up. How do you say is one year better than the other? Because I think Grant's going to get up and transition and get some points, but he, he's not going to be, no, you know, he's not going to be really racking up the total. So I don't know. It's so tough, man. But I think it's, I think it's a two, two horse race for rookie of the year between those two guys, honestly. Do you think any of the rookies from this year's class will be able to dip into that? Does a Ryan Sheridan get in there? I mean, that's tough. Sheridan, from all indications from some of the clips and the highlights I've seen, looks like he's fitting into that offense, uh, no problem. But he's also behind Callum Crawford and behind our next guest in Jonathan Donville. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to get the touches that McCombie is going to get, right? So, I mean, definitely, definitely could. Yeah. But – I don't know. Who do you? What, what's your what's your initial thought? I feel like you're cooking something up and you're not. No, I, I'm. You know me. I'm a. I'm an island guy. I like to pump their tires, and I, I just think, I I didn't take into the fact. I didn't take in the factor of Donville and Crawford taking touches away from Sheridan. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I believe you're right. I think McConvey does more. I think Dylan Watson does more and has a bigger impact than Sheridan. I think Sheridan's a 45, 50 point guy probably this year. Um, but yeah, I think, I think those guys might just have the edge on him. It will be interesting to see what happens though, as yeah. this, the year goes along. I do want to apologize. I said between the top two picks, I should have said one, three, although Watson again. Yeah, you're right. Like I think he's going to get more touches. Simmons is an interesting one. This Albany team is very young. Um, you you look at that that right side outside of Tanner Thompson and John Piatelli, who was a rookie last year. Like there really isn't a lot of uh, of experience. On Is Foxy right playing this year? He's on the holdout, I believe. Kitchen's on the holdout. Kitchen, he's on the hold. Or yeah, so so Fox Kitchen, both of them aren't aren't there. Your mm-hmm. righties are Longboat Kurtz. Um, Simmons, Piatelli, Piatelli. Uh, I believe they're using, I think they're using Reed Jackson out the back door. So Jackson Reed. Yeah. Sorry. Jackson Reed out the back door. And then Tanner Buck, Sam Firth, Marshall Palace, Ethan Walker's Kieran McCardle announced his retirement from the indoor game. Yeah. We we joke about it. We joke about it, that they're small, but they're pretty small. They're very small. They're very. They're a very small team. They're a fast team. But I, you know, yeah. I, obviously, everyone, everyone knows. You know, I, I'm pretty close with that organization with their coaching staff and talking a lot. And they, but they, they've they're really happy with the way that this offense is, yeah. is playing. They they are really happy. Like they're now really starting to build the offense that they they've won over the about last couple of years. And yeah, it's missing that star power. It's going to come with Dyson Williams, but yeah. like they they believe that this is an offense that it's not going to just be one guy. But with that being said, to go back to my point, Simmons and Kurtz, like again, watching highlights, watching some of the film that that we have access to, those two guys are like controlling the floor. Yes. Um like they like Kurt seems like he's a, like a little bit of a quarterback back there. His passing ability, there've been a, a couple of of plays he set up where he has looked phenomenal. Um, Simmons, it's just pure athleticism. Yeah, sure, he's tiny, but like he's fearless. He'll go to the net. He's got a great shot, an absolute cannon. Um, so those two guys there, Longboat looks pretty good too. Um, yep. Walker obviously is, I think Walker is, it's that's, he's got the biggest opportunity on that entire offense yeah. to be like, this is your team. This is your offense. Everything's going to go through you. We'll see what happens there. I think we talked about them already off the top. I am a betting man. If I had to put, <laughs> if I had to put my money, I think Nathan Grennan ends up on this roster. The gremlin I, ends up there. Eh? I just look at, at what they have on that left side. Yeah. I know their connection. I know that it, you know, they love their Ottawa boys. They love their Ottawa boys. He did play with the beaches. I know he didn't finish his career with the beach, but there is some familiarity. Um, so they like they know that they know what you're going to get out of him. Um, and it's it's a hungry player that wants to prove that he belongs in this league. They'd be crazy not to at least bring him in and see what happens. And I think I I think that's probably what's going to happen. The fact that it hasn't happened already, uh, mind yeah. you, when this podcast drops, leads me to believe that. 
maybe it happens or maybe he's got other teams knocking at his door and he's weighing out his options. So, but this seems like a good fit for, for him, but yeah, this is a young, this is a young team. Mm-hmm. It's a really young team. It was uh Glenn Clark saying that, uh, was it, what was his line? If if we're picking first next year again, I'm not I'm not going to be the one making the pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And man, I uh, you don't want to put the the horse before the carriage here, but like just looking at the like looking at this roster, like Doug Jamison's going to have to have a career year if this team's going to want to you know not end up in that spot. Mm-hmm. And I, I like what they're doing here. I think they're a team that's going to be good in a, in a couple of years. I just think one more year pain <laughs> might be in the forecast for Albany. But then again, look what they did last year at the start of the year. They came out really hot. Yeah, they were getting busters. They're going to compete in every single game. Just do they have enough top end talent to keep mm-hmm. up with some of those teams, some of those, you know, elite teams? Because if you're going to make the playoffs, you have to beat at least, you know, the bandits or the rock or, you know, Colorado or whoever it is, like you, you have to knock off the top. You can't just beat the seventh and the eighth place teams. And then the teams that aren't in the playoffs, like you got to steal one off some of these top teams. What's, what's the formula for them. I think it's Doug Jamison getting back to where he was before this defense being fast, mean and scoring in transition. And one of Simmons or Kurtz or Ethan Walker proving that they're an elite player putting up, North of 70, 75 points. You know what I think is going to be a huge factor for them? Is getting What's Nards that? back. Huge. Massive. Getting, getting Joe Nardella back um, is massive for them because in those early stretches, he was massive. In those first couple of games, he was incredible for them. Um, and, then, you know, when you're, when you're going up against a Wiz, a Baptiste, uh TD Erlen, you know, you're going to need – a guy that's going to be able to get you ball possession. And, and Joe Nardella can do that. He's one of the best face-off guys in the world. And when you can continually get your offense possessions, whether you think face-offs matter or not, if you can continually get your team possession, that gives you more chances than not to win games. Yeah, it's it's huge. And let's be honest, like I think he's progressed as, as, as a very good defender as yeah, well. Like, I think they missed him in the five-on-five game a lot. They're a team, though, that, you know, defensively, I I really like the group defensively. I think they're great in transition, obviously, with Colton Watkinson. Um, you know, he's a great player. Tchaikovsky, Nishimura, like those are big bodies that can get up uh, and, and score. Mike Byrne, you talked about the faceoffs. I think it allows Mike Byrne to be more of a stay-at-home defender, a guy that can still move up the ball. But, you know, he was on ball team taking face-offs he was you know going up some nights against the top end talent like mm-hmm. he you could tell he was absolutely gassed so the fact that you know you have a true face-off guy it allows burn to focus more on the defensive end yeah uh patrick Goschok was was a really good rookie for them last year sure was uh volkov this guy is big he's mean he's gonna fit nicely in this d he is a, a really, really tough player to against, play against. But they're going to have to win, win off their defense. It's mm. it's pretty apparent. They are Absolutely. going to have to win from, from their defense, their back end, and, and we'll see what f- comes to fruition with their offense. I don't know. Maybe they surprise us. Maybe. 
Stranger things have happened in the National Lacrosse League. A couple more minutes before we get you, Jonathan Donville. Um, so let's do our NLL jersey journey. Patty, put your thinking caps on. This okay. is going to be a long journey. This player started their career in New York. They went to the Orlando Titans, then to the Rochester Nighthawks, to the Philadelphia Wings, back to the Rochester Nighthawks, to the New England back Black Wolves, back to Rochester, to Georgia, to Philly, and ended his career in Georgia. Who is this player? Okay, so based off the end of the career, I think I have an idea. Just the start is a little bit. So obviously New York to Orlando, that means Titans, Titans, I'm assuming. Yes. That'd be too big of a gap to to be Saints. So it's Titans, Titans, Nighthawks, Wings, Nighthawks. It's a lot of doubling up on teams. Who do you Um, think? Jordan Hall. Nice. I, I the 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 Roch Georgia Philly Georgia I that really jumped out at, at, yeah. to me. The and early part of his career was confusing. That was like okay, what? Like I, <laughs> I I I didn't realize he was with Rochester three different times. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he bounced around a bit for most most of his career, but one of the nicest guys, one of the hardest workers, uh, one of the best kangaroo court judges of all time. Uh, 813 points in his career, 210 games, won himself a championship with a swarm in 2017 when Miles scored the OT winner in Saskatoon to break the hearts of Rush fans. A 14-year career for Jordan Hall ends in Georgia. He's now an associate coach with the San Diego Seals, and they'll eventually have to play the Panther City Lacrosse Club, but Panther City will open their season Next weekend, December 1st, against the Vancouver Warriors and the reigning Rookie of the Year will look to build off an incredible first season as Jonathan Donville joins us right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. So we talked to Thomas McConvey about his transition into the National Crossing and what he looks forward to in his very first game. Jonathan Donville did the exact same thing one year ago and he joins us this week. Donnie, how are you, brother? Good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, prying yourself away from the back of the bird, fellas, uh, to chat with the the real podcasters. Of the world. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's a hard business, man. It's it is. Not, not it everyone's is. cut up for this life. It's it's <laughs> it's cutthroat, man. Um, what was your biggest learning curve after you know you you do your five years, you you finally get drafted, you got to wait a year, and then you get into the National Crossing? What was the biggest learning curve for you? Uh, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go, you know, one, maybe one on field, one off field on yeah. field was definitely uh, the strength of the guys, especially the defenders. I think everyone talks about the speed uh, of the game, which is definitely true for me. It was for sure the strength and trying to, you know, so much of our game is about trying to seal guys, trying to get through the middle, uh, trying to kind of impose your will on D guys and push them around. And it's just really hard uh in this league and uh so I, I found myself i had to tell myself to slow down so i think a lot of you know when people always say speed of the game for me it was like you got to slow down because i was i was running around you know maybe used to getting a step on guys or or whatever and just was 
getting pushed out to the edges. Um, so that, that was probably the, and then the, the biggest thing for sure is just learning how to travel, learning how to uh, train on your own, um, learning how to handle losses without your teammates, like learning how to, how to, how to handle uh, bad times in solitude, I think is, is tough. Like my first PLL season, we, we didn't win a game and it was like every weekend I was flying home alone after these losses, which is something you never do any like college, you take the bus home with the boys, you're with yeah, the boys right. the next day, you know, junior, you're pretty much, maybe you don't drive home with the guys, but you see them in the next couple of days where, um, you know, learning how to manage all of it yourself, uh, learning how to have, you have a big game on Saturday, you play really well, learning how to make sure you get to the gym on Monday. Like that's all, that's all part of it. That's for sure that the hardest part to learn. How long did it take you to kind of get into that right rhythm of everything of, of being a, a pro lacrosse player that has to do all that? How long did that take? I don't know if I figured it out like completely by now. I, um, you know, it's a day by day thing. And um, I don't know. I, I felt like maybe peel all this summer. I, I kind of started to, to learn the, how to travel a little bit better and, and stuff like that. And um, you know, from a lacrosse point of view, I, you know, I had some ups and downs last year. So at some point you feel like you've kind of figured something out and, and figured out something that works. And then, you know, this league adjusts to people really quickly. Uh, so, you know, you feel like you're getting by on some stuff and then, and then all of a sudden it's not, you're not getting open and you got to try to figure out the next thing. And, and I think that's just, uh, you know, I, I do think it's interesting that a lot of the best scores in our league are like guys, maybe later in the careers than you would see in other in like the NHL, for example, because I think there's like so much just savvy that comes from guys and, and learning. And um, for young guys like myself, it's like, how do you try to get as much, like, how do you get, try to get yourself up to speed on that as, as fast as you can. It's, it's hard. Um, and it's, it's day by day, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Staying on this topic. And, and Teddy mentioned that we had, um, McCombie on talking about you know his upcoming first year you know him pretty well you obviously played with him with you know in Mimico played against him when you jumped ship over to Orangeville um, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> just coming at me to start ricochet shot yeah um how you know obviously there's no denying he's like an elite talent he was a first overall pick like he, he's a guy that's going to be able to adjust to the game it might take a little long it might not What's the one thing that leads you to believe that he is going to be able to make that next jump and be a productive player in the National Lacrosse League? I mean, I guess the the big thing is his competitiveness, um, just an ultra competitive guy. And then from a lacrosse point of view, like he's a freak physically. Um, He's huge. I think people are going to be people who may not have seen him or have seen him in the field game where it's kind of harder to tell when you see him in the box, like he's massive and, Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of different shots. He's got a deep bag with the shooting. And I think that helps. And that's something I'm working on uh, a lot right now. Um, the goalies in this league are just, they're, they're really good. And, um, you know, I think Thomas has a deep bag with that stuff and it'll help him, you know, score right away. How has the first few weeks of camp been? Obviously, you know, you've gone through it now once you're considered a bit of a veteran. You get looked up to by some of the younger guys. How has, camp number two been for Jonathan Donville yeah it's been uh it's been great uh really nice to see the guys again um it's funny when you're playing in the summer everyone's talking about oh it's a lot of lacrosse a lot of lacrosse and I need a break and then you got a break for like two weeks and it's like all right what are we doing here let's let's start playing again so it's it's good to see the boys again and 
and definitely uh you know it's funny on one on one stand like on one kind of hand you you know year two looking back at year one i feel like i had no idea what i was doing so year two you feel a lot more uh but then at the same time you still get the you know the butterflies and and uh you know want to make sure you're you're doing the right things and and playing well and and set, setting a good example and and you're helping the team win that's that's you know the goal every year is you know show up ready to ready to compete and ready to try to help us win some games here and has tk's voice changed like his coaching method now it's another year with this group has his mo changed at all uh a little bit um not not really though to be honest like tk is pretty consistent man and i think that's what makes him so great and that's what made him a great player uh for sure is you just know what you're getting from him and and he's really good at at kind of preaching the process and and uh you know focusing on one step at a time and and you know do we maybe have you know you know do we want to get better this year certainly but but we want to make sure that we're just getting a little bit better every day and and uh you know some some rookies this year that are probably going to play for us offensively trying to get them into the fold of what we want to do and and that kind of thing that's that's certainly been a focus as well it's just you know, adding guys in and, and trying to get them, you know, suited to the way we want to play. You guys obviously were, were a great story last year, making the playoffs and just your, you know, second year of, uh, of existence. But, you know, we're not there, boots on the ground. But from all indication, from the clips, from your guys' social media, from people talking around that have been there, the message clearly is like, okay, getting into the playoffs is, is not enough. How deep is the belief in this group that you guys can make a, you know, a deep playoff run here? Yeah, it's, it's deep. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't want to put labels on the expectations or, or anything like that. We just want to be as good as, you know, live up to our potential, be as good as we can be. And, uh, but yeah, guys believe and you know, to a certain extent, I think if you don't believe you're going to win, you know, you should, you should get out of this business, out of this league. Uh, but it's not just phony like that either. It's guys really do believe we can win and, and, uh, you know, we got the pieces, we got a goalie, we got some other great players, um, but there's a lot of really good teams in this league. And, and obviously with the unified standings this year, we see all of them. So, um, you know, you got to go up against the best and, and win those games. And I think that maybe one be the one area we really want to improve on is, is taking on some of those top teams and, and having better efforts. Uh, you know, whether we win or lose is, is, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out, but, um, not sure we were always proud of the efforts last year against some of the better teams. What are your thoughts on the unified standings? Uh, you know, my biggest thought is as an Ontario guy uh, who plays in the, you know, former Western conference, who plays not that close to here. Uh, it's nice that my family gets to be closer to a lot of the games. Mm. Uh, we actually don't play at Toronto, Buffalo or Rochester. So uh, <laughs> I've been a good pitch to all my family members all uh, year. Hey, you can drive, you can drive. And uh, so that's not the case, but um, I understand all the, all the logic. Um, I haven't really heard anyone who has a huge issue with it. Um, you know, when you, when you play in Texas or, or San Diego or, Vegas you just you know travel is just part of it so you know maybe for the teams that are you know more local to the GTA that they'll have a major difference in travel but for us it's you know it's actually probably less travel if you're from Ontario. I wanted to go back on something that you just said there because that's I think something that was very glaring with your group um, whatever it was teams that you guys were on par with or or below 
um, you guys like in the standings, you'd handle them no problem. But then when it, when it got to the point where you would play some of those top teams, uh, not only didn't you win, but it felt like you guys were just maybe one step behind. What was the biggest difference between you guys and some of those elite teams? Yeah, I think we did, we didn't, uh, you know, I think we didn't start well in a lot of games, not just, you know, some of the ones you're talking about, but even some of the ones where we did okay, or we actually like won and, and played well. Um, and then when you're playing the really good teams, it's just, you know, you can't take yourself out of a hole. It's just really hard to take yourself out of a hole. And then, you know, I don't, I don't, I, th I think it's just, you got to learn how to play in those games. I think, you know, similar to what I said about, um, you know, how a lot of our leading scores in our league are like older, a lot of the teams that are winning have been through it too. So, you know, you kind of got to take your lumps and, and certainly like no moral victories or anything like that. But it's, I think it's just part of the process of, of learning how to become a better team. And, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, maybe you can't point to the lessons, but, you know, hopefully you can kind of feel it and you can hopefully show it in your play in the future. And, and um, yeah, just, just, uh, you know, obviously, you know, all the cliches, you know, no fear, you got to believe all that stuff, but, uh, I don't think we had any fear last year and we certainly believed we could win those games. It's just, you know, our, our play, you know, just wasn't at that same level sometimes. So um, I think just starting quicker and, and, you know, hopefully just, just making small adjustments. Just, you know, talking to you here, listening to you on, on back the bird or, you know, sharing the booth with you, uh, you know, at the Minto or any of the OJ games, it's, it's very apparent that, you know, you're a, incredibly cerebral thinker when it comes to the game of lacrosse you, the amount of pre preparation that goes in studying all that when did that start for you is this something that like once you got to college you started doing it or was was it in junior that you were really thinking about the game um at such a high level yeah i think it goes back uh i, I think it goes back further maybe just growing up as a kid um you know, advice I would give to to parents or young kids is just watch a lot of lacrosse. And mm -hmm. and when I was a kid, um, my dad used to take us to games in the states, so I watched a fair amount of college lacrosse. Uh, went to my first game at Cornell in 2006, so we were kind of around it there. And then uh, we watched a ton of junior A. Um, we would go to to Orangeville, we'd go to Whippy, uh, Six Nations. Uh, I, I think I was at the Powerade Center for one of those uh, legendary Brampton Orangeville games and and a lot of Burlington Chiefs games and stuff like that. So we just watched a lot and and I would kind of try to take stuff one at a time when I was a kid. So, I'd, you know, try to kind of build one thing. And uh, for example, when I was, you know, coming up was was when Riley and Riley O'Connor and, and Littner were, were really good and, and Whitby and throwing skip passes. So you try to maybe add that in your game and um, just pick stuff up, you know, different places. And then, um, you know, in college, you get, you get, you get more resources, you have more film. Um, I actually don't in college, didn't watch a ton of film on other teams. Uh, I watch a lot of film on our, on ourselves, uh, mm -hmm. on our own team. I watch a lot of practice film and stuff. I think from an offensive point of view, that just made more sense. Um, especially playing in what I at least hoped was unique offenses uh, in college. I, I didn't see all the always the sense in watching other teams. So, yeah. Um, and then now you just, you're just curious, you know, and you're just uh, mostly watching as a fan, watching my buddies and, and, you know, there's stuff I need to get a lot better at. So watching guys around the league, um, other old guys, uh, I probably do that as much, if not more than I watch other defenses. Who, who's the guy you like to watch? 
try to take like individual things from, from lots of guys. Um, I don't know, Teeter, Schreiber, uh, some of the guys who are just goal scorers, uh, Church, Banesh, Bakatosh, uh, you know, it just seems like, it, you know, it's just smooth, uh, smooth releases. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's no secret if you look at uh, my shooting percentage that shooting and finishing is where I need to figure this thing out. So just watching the guys who seem to do it at the highest level. The Paul Dawson full floor skipper, yeah. right? the, the full bounce, speed, yeah. the full speed bouncer to the top corner, <laughs> or the Lomas uh, low to low worm burner. I don't really yeah. have, I don't have either of those in my toolkit. <laughs> but but as as a guy who you know prides himself on being a goal scorer and, and an offensive threat, when you look at that as okay, you know my I'm shooting the ball lots, I'm getting good looks, but it's not going in. How do you tinker that? How do you change that? How do you you know, progress that number to where you're thinking, okay, yeah, I got it down now. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, the obvious answer is there's two ways to get better. You get better quality chances and you shoot them better. And I think the answer for me is both, um, you know, I, I got to get to the net more. I think that's, that's pretty much the, the obvious answer. A lot of stuff from the outside last year and, you know, when it's working, it's working, but you know, I don't necessarily shoot that stuff as well as the other guys do anyways. And then, uh, when I'm settling for it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of compounding. So, uh, trying to get to, I think all the good goal scorers, you know, get to the net a lot and, uh, same in hockey, I guess. And so that, that's, that's kind of the main thing is, you know, be easier said than done. It's okay. Well, okay, cool. How are you going to do that? So, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, things I've been working on and, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, there's some confidence stuff too, and, and trying to, uh, get rid of, you know, try to not hitch. You look at a lot of the great players, they just get it out. And, and um, you know, it's about quick releases, it's about deception more than it's about power. So stuff, uh, you know, I, I talk to TK about that stuff all the time and, and you know, trying to, trying to you know, acclimate it and, and implement it as quickly as I can. But, um, you know, it's hard to get old habits out of your game sometimes. Do you uh, do you want to be Callum Crawford flying through the air and doing all these weird <laughs> stick tricks while while floating and hovering, or I think it's back to the old guys. I think there'd be too many crease calls. I don't think I'd get enough hang time. <laughs> I think if I just kept jumping behind the net, uh, you know, I'd just be running out of the angle there. So uh, <laughs> how on a serious note, though, how impressive is it that like a, a guy at his age is still able to to do a lot of those incredibly athletic things. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, he moves unlike any, uh, you know, he just moves differently than other guys. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a freak. And, and his ability to finish at low angles is something that I've never uh, probably seen before. It's, uh, you know, when it's just kind of like a, a, a basketball player. It's like end of shot clock and, you know, it looks like he's down and out and, and he just finds a way to, to score and among other things, he does a lot of things great. But I, I think the thing that caught me off guard last year was just his ability to, to finish at a little or no angle. Um, you had a good, you had a good conversation with uh, commissioner Brett Frude. We had the opportunity to talk um, last week as well, or a couple of weeks ago, whatever it may have been. But uh, what was your biggest takeaway from, from, you know, a casual sit down with him. It was a great interview, by the way. And if you haven't listened, go ahead. Cause I know we talked to him, but there's a lot of different nuggets in there, but what was your biggest takeaway 
from that conversation? I mean, the biggest one was just how open he was uh, and how willing he was to talk. And, and he was at, he asked us a few questions, which I, you know, I, I think is, is rare for someone in his scenario. And, you know, something I really respected about him was we had him on last year and we said, okay, what are your plans? And this was right after he got, uh, you know, kind of came on and he said, well, I, I got to learn first. I'm going to take some time to learn before. And uh, it seemed like that has paid off, but also I just respect that, um, that, that practice in general to not just come in and say, okay, this is how we're going to get better, but to, you know, just take the time to learn. And, and um, I think, I think the unbox series is really cool. I think having events is a really cool, you know, kind of unexplored uh, avenue for the league. I know we've talked about like an all-star game that they used to have like kind of events yeah. like that. And, and the unboxed in general seems pretty cool, especially, you know, he talked about expanding, or the pos uh, you're not giving the possibility of expanding the junior NLL tournament. So uh, getting more kids playing the game at a high level. And um, yeah, that, that, that he just seems like he's, he's, I guess maybe the biggest thing is that like a lot of the major issues for the league right now seem like they're kind of like taken care of, like the media deal just got done. Uh, I, the CBA I think got done last year. Um you know, there's, we've just gone through a lot of expansion. So, so it's kind of a cool for him, I think, or for like, as a player to see him be like, all right, what can we add here? There doesn't seem to be too many like crises of, you know, major, major business things that are coming down. It lets him kind of go to work a little bit. Um, last one for you. Cause we know uh, you are a busy, busy man. Um, what's it like being a podcaster and a player in the NL at the same time? Do you have to find the fine line or, do you know guys are just going to be rolling with the punches as you guys chat? Uh, yeah, I think, I think we have a pretty good feel for, um, for, you know, not taking, you're not going into conversations that guys don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, the bigger thing that I'm worried about always is, is saying something that's going to upset my own locker room. Yeah. Um, so that's a fine line. It, it, I, uh, I had a coach at uh, Cornell, Pete Milliman, who, he used to say about the team, if if it's on the radar, then it's a problem. So for example, if it's on the radar that we're not working that hard, then we're not working that hard. If it's even, mm -hmm. a, and I think that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, if it's on the radar of something that I maybe should or shouldn't say, uh, then I shouldn't say it. <laughs> so uh, I got burned in a couple funny ones. The one was um, talking about coming to the NLL and how the music was playing and how I was yelling for a pass and, and uh and didn't get it and i just i was like yeah, you know what should i leave it in or should i not i, I ended up leaving it in and then ian mcquig uh ian mckay quote tweeted it and said like donnie talking about getting looked off like whatever like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god that's like i mean i guess sort of that's what i was doing but i thought i phrased it in a good way and, yeah yeah so other than yeah. yeah try to try to stay away from from shit that's gonna get me uh <laughs> Uh, in a group chat somewhere. I hear you. I yeah, hear the you. music was so loud. He must not have heard me. Uh, <laughs> I got one more. It's, it'll be quick because I know you got to get rolling here. You said you had uh, an all-time miscue when when Brett Froude asked uh, <laughs> where you would like to have the next game. You said like the Clippers new arena. So yeah. here's redemption time. You asked for a one over. You don't have to give a big, big uh, reason behind it a new chance to say where you would like the next unbox series. Game. So this is like going to sound like pandering a little bit, but um, 
I was thinking like Victoria or like, yeah. like, a, like a, a Canadian market that's I like that's that. big enough to do it right. Um, yeah, and you can put you put a turf in the in the or, um, in the arena there, and uh, I think that could be really cool. I think that kind of has the Montreal feel, and and you know, from a one-off perspective, would it be tough to? You know, it might be tough in a city like Nashville where it's like harder to kind of get into the, uh, you know, the public consciousness. But it's the same with like the Leafs, how they play uh, preseason games around Ontario and in other yeah. places. It's like, you know, or could you? Do, so like some sort of like, uh, you know, similar size city in Canada. I'll go Victoria just because it'd be a fun, uh, be a fun weekend for a lot of fans. Such a smart guy, this John Duncan. <laughs> like this guy just gets it. I don't know what it is about him. Hey, and remember, it's it's not pandering because I said not to pander. You're learning the podcast. Game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You really are. Exactly. It's like when you say no offense, but then you say something you're like, no, no, I said no offense. You can't yeah. take offense. To exactly. That. Exactly. Uh, Donnie, exactly. well, uh, I'll see you at opening weekend in Panther City, taking on Vancouver on TSN. It'll be a blast. We'll catch up, have a chat. But again, appreciate the time as always, my man. Keep up the great with the bird boys and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Always good chatting with Donnie. That kid just has uh, a knack for speaking uh, much like Thomas McConvey, very well spoken um, a year into his career, expect big things from produced Donnie. And as always, you know, we, we hype up the lax class fellas, but check out back of the bird. Their interview with the commissioner was, was awesome. They do some really good stuff. Um, and it's also a different perspective because he is a player and Pauly mm-hmm. and, and, and Lomas are all playing. So they're in those battles. They're in the trenches um, and they can get a little more out of guys sometimes. So definitely check out the back of the bird. Check out the last class guys. Jake and Tino have been doing an excellent job going around the league, talking to all the GMs um, about camp and leading into the season. So tons of content out there, but great talking with Donnie. One thing I, I, you know, I always love talking to Donnie. I love calling games with him. Like, you know, when, when his career is over, which is not for a long time, like he's going to be such a good color analyst. Like yeah. he sees the game so well. Um, but, but talking to him, the one takeaway I think that I have here is if you took the tone of like how his off season was and, you know, things he's like, you would think this guy had like 25 points. he's so hard on himself and like yeah you know talking about the ups and like dude was rookie of the year had 90 points was near the top in you know assists like i think he was in the top 10 of assists he was in the top 20 for score like i he like he he is going to have a big year this year i feel we were joking around about about his props and he's like (laughs) do not Get in my head about that. <laughs> Do not talk about it. I don't want to know what my prop line is. But man, he I'd be hammering that over. Just the talking, like his drive. Yeah. The preparation. Man, he is he's on another level. Like I, I that's what I love. Like, yeah, sure, he's a great playmaker. Yeah, he's you know, he, he sees the floor so well, but like his passion and his will to want to be better and want to win, it's 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 unmatched, man. Like that's what's gonna that will make him you know, an elite player in this league for a long time and his, some just his ability and, and the drive to want to know what the greats do to make them great. It's, it's awesome. I could talk to him all day, man. Speaking of prop bets, 
Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> That's right. Time now for another edition of Box Bets, brought to you by our friends over at CoolBet. And we've kind of started a little OTCB parlay for you because... Over at CoolBet, we've got individual over-unders, point totals, wins, and goals. Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of fun on here. And, of course, our boy Evan Schemenauer has already laid the bet <laughs> of Kyle Rubish getting more than one and a half goals. But there's lots out there. So, Patty, let's have it. It's yeah, that that bet there is a, a tradition unlike <laughs> any other. It's it's you know it's I don't know why our odds makers even a tradition like any other. Like I, I don't know why he we don't even just post it. We know he's gonna request it. And hey, that's <laughs> the thing. I, I on a serious note, if there is a player prop that you think that you'd like out there, um hit me up. Hit hit up at Coolbet Canada as well. I can't promise you that we will have it. Um, but if there's a player that's missing and you'd like to, Teddy, your hands up. I think you you've got. A I got one here. I got Let's one. Hear it, Curtis. Curtis Christian Del Bianco, over eighteen and a half assists. Okay, I can see. Let me write that down. I'm I'm, I'm going to bring this up to our our lacrosse odds because there's going to be an assist one at some point. Yeah, assist that the guys are getting. You got to throw a Delbs eighteen and a half for me. All right. Well, we'll we'll see what we do. I know we had like player prop points for um for games last year, so I think we've got the capabilities to do it. So there you go. That's a prime example. Um, but if there, you know, if there's another player, um, something unique, like even you know, maybe if you want a head to head, if you think there's what we will do, like under the, the the tab for specials, right now we do have player to score the most regular season goals. Jeff Teat right now plus two sixty five as the favorite. Yeah. Um, we won't dive into too deep because we got to build this parlay, but um, I think we're going to have more options there. We got the goals up. I think points will be up. Uh, I'm not making any promises, but uh, I do believe that there could be possibilities for um, cause turnovers, leading yeah. the league, cause turnovers and loose balls. So um, stay tuned. We have a week still to the season, yeah. so there should be some mores rolling out. You were talking about head-to-head stuff. Are you talking about like head-to-head over the year, or like could you do um, like Toronto plays San Diego? Can you do head-to-head Erland versus Baptiste face-offs? Yeah. So I mean, in in years past, I think last year we offered it for for I don't know about every game, but some games we did like you know head-to-head more points, more goals between let's say you know if uh, San Diego is playing. Um, uh, Halifax, you know, Randy Stotts first, uh, Audie Stotts points and goals head to head. But in terms of, of face-offs, yeah, we could, we could look in to see if we can do that too, but um, that's request. So hit me up at P. Greggy, <laughs> hit uh, cool bet up at cool bet Canada, whatever it is, we'll see what we can get up for your liking, but we want to get something up. We want to get the OTCB season parlay going. So I decided uh, best way right now with what's available at cool bet let's go with one goal total one point total and one win total uh, i took the liberty to decide our goal total i went with josh Byrne over 44 and a half goals uh last year 
finished what 43 goals in 15 games and he was playing banged up in some of those games too i think with a healthy josh Byrne, i think with the buffalo bandits offense getting that monkey off their back i think they are going to be an absolute problem this Mm -hmm. year i really think that Byrne, until he got hurt could have possibly been the front runner for mvp let's not forget the tear that he was on yeah I think Byrne picks up where he left off in that finals coming back from injury. That last game then game three was the only one he played. He was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I think he's going to have a massive year. So over 44 and a half is our first pick. You picked points. And this is a guy that you've been on the record that is going to have a big year. He had a big year last year. You think it's going to be even bigger. Who's your point, Brock? Um, Andrew Q had 106 points last year. He was tied with Lyle Thompson for the team lead on Georgia. Uh, they got him at 103 and a half. I said it a couple weeks ago. I, I think he leads the swarm in points this year. I think he crests 100. I think he's a 110, 112 guy. So give me Andrew Q over 103.5 points. I think this is going to be his team. Hard to argue that. I mean, watching him at the Prezies, I know it's a different level, but man, he was automatic. It, yeah. Every time he wind, wound up, it just seemed like the refs were already walking over to the net to go play the ball because <laughs> they knew it was going to be in. So yeah. I, I like that bet there. Last but certainly not least, both of us had a pick here and, uh, you know, we're kind of in between. So we got to hash it out a little bit. Uh, the okay. win total. I like both of them. So I, I'm, I'm okay with either one, but let's just talk this out. Uh, mine was the Rochester Nighthawks over seven and a half wins at minus one fifteen. With me with Rochester, though, I could see, like I said, I could see this this team making the playoffs. I could see them missing it. With that being said, I think at at minimum, if Ryland Hartley stays healthy and this team doesn't really fall off a cliff and and find themselves really regressing. I have a hard time seeing them not at least being a 500 team. Like I think you have to be 500 at least to get in the playoffs, but I don't even know if just 500 is going to be good enough. So they could get over this total and still miss Mm -hmm. the postseason. Yeah. Um, But you have a pretty good one as well. Yeah. And I don't know why so many people, and maybe this is just scuttlebutt from people just saying things, but the Calgary Roughnecks added Thomas Hogarth. They got Justin Nasio at the dot. He's healthy. And they added Robert Hudson on the back end. They still have the MVP and goalie of the year. All they did, the only thing that really happened was they lost their coaching staff. Now, sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes that can be a bad thing. But when you're a 13-5 team and you get better on the floor, I don't see how this team regresses. I don't think Josh Sanderson is going to come in and try to reinvent the wheel in Calgary. So I just don't see how people think that they are going to just have this massive drop off in their production. And I truly believe that over 10 and a half is very well within their reach. And I think this is going to be a team that once again is a force to be reckoned with. Jesse King, Zach Courier, Christian Del Bianco, just those three guys alone make this a top 
eight team in the National Lacrosse League. Again, sure, a new coaching staff might change some things, but I don't think they take a huge two-and-a-half loss drop from where they were last year setting a franchise record to win. So you decide, you pick it, but I'm just saying I don't think Calgary drops as much as people think. Okay, well, let's do a little exercise. I've got I've got the Roughnecks schedule up here. Okay, okay. Um, let's quickly just – little hitters here. Let's try to figure out if they can hit this win total. Okay. Funny enough, the team they're going up Yeah, they started in Rochester. Is Rochester. What do we what do we say? I guess this is what coin flip game. Let's just I let's, say Calgary wins. Okay, so Calgary win there. Then they head to San Diego the next week to take on the SEALs. They win there. Okay. Two wins. I, I if <laughs> um home against the desert dogs. They win there. Okay, so they're up to three. I think we know our answer based on your thoughts here. Um, at Vancouver. Ooh, that is going to be game. one of the year. They lose that game. Okay, so still at three wins. Then they go to Colorado. They win that game. Okay, so they're up to four. Um, host Jeff Teat in the New York Riptide. They win that game. Okay, up to five. Host Toronto. They lose that game. Okay, uh, go to Toronto. Okay, flip it. They win, then they lose. Okay. So All right. Six. six. Uh, host the Thunderbirds of Halifax. They win that game. Okay, uh, home and home against Philadelphia. Split. Okay. Uh, at Georgia. Win. Host the Seals. Lose. Okay. Host the Firewolves. Win. Host the Rush. Win. At Sask. Lose. At Buffalo. Lose. Host Panther City. Win. So we're at 12 wins here. We're at 12. You could argue a couple there. You could flip back and forth. Yep. So 11 and a half is a good number. Or sorry, 10 and a half is a good number. Let's go with it. Let's go with it today. Right. Uh, that way, yeah. if it doesn't cash, everyone can blame you. And Yeah, I, I'm here for the heat. There we go. All right. Okay. So. We'll lock that in. We'll tell the fine folks a cool bet. The official OTCB season long parlay. Andrew Q over 103 points. Josh Byrne over 44 and a half goals. And last but certainly not least, the Calgary Roughnecks over 10 and a half victories. We don't know the price. We'll let you know. We'll tweet it out. We'll exit out, whatever it's called now. We'll get it out on our socials, <laughs> and uh, we'll get that price. And if you haven't signed up yet yeah, at CoolBet, go to CoolBet.com. Click that little sign up button. When you make your first deposit, use promo code OTCB. We'll double your deposit up to $200 Canadian, and you'll let the fine folks at CoolBet know where you found them.
Found them right here in the Off the Crossbar podcast. And as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. A um, couple more things before we get out of here and some unfortunate news. Um, a while back, I'm sure many of you may have heard that uh, Emily Cox passed away, the longtime partner of Marshall King. Uh, she was dealing with her, her cancer. They thought they had it going, um, but it sounds like there was a bit of a regression um, and a reoccurrence of her cancer. And uh, unfortunately, a little while ago, it was sort of made public that she had passed away. Um, Friday night this week here in Victoria is the yearly Friday night lights game between Claremont High School and Mercer School from Seattle, Washington. Uh, they will be playing a game with much of the proceeds going to the Emily Cox Fund and Foundation. I don't know what this means for Marshall and his career, uh, or at least his season this year. Um, there was some talks that he might not play just because of everything she was going through. Not sure how that changes now, but we all want to send um, well wishes, thoughts, prayers to the whole Cox family, to Marshall, to the Kings, um, all their support group, because I know it's been a heck of a run for those two young kids to have to go through this um, at such a young age. Just heartbreaking to know that um, a beautiful soul has left us. But even more recently, a former teammate of mine with the Edmonton Rush, Johnny Maurice, um, I don't think a lot of people knew this, but, and this just, this is how crazy and messed up cancer is. Johnny Maurice had colorectal, liver, lung, bone, and brain cancer. And he fought his ass off as he always did. He was our backup goalie. Sorry, he was our third goalie with the Edmonton Rush. Uh, he played a lot of lacrosse for the Edmonton Miners. Uh, he and his brother Dave were two great goaltenders coming up through the ranks. But just uh, such sad news to see another young person lose their fight with cancer. Um, if you go to Dave's Facebook page, d.w.maurice, M-A-R-R-E-S-E, uh, the obituary is there. I'll post it out on my socials. Um, if there's ways you want to get in contact or help them out as well. But cancer sucks, man. And it's taken far too many young people um, from our lives. And I just want to send my love to the Maurice family. Johnny was a beauty. Um, just a great young kid and a great young man uh, and gone far too soon. So love to the Coxes and the Kings and love to the Maurice family. And let's hope that one day we can all figure out how to end this cancer bug and get it out of our lives for good. So uh, much love to all those. And again, if you're dealing with someone who has cancer, just know you're not alone. There's many people out there. There's avenues to, to open up and talk about it. Um, and the best thing we can do is talk about these things because there's no sense in just bottling it all up and making life worse than it already is. So just know that we're all there for you, pulling for you, hoping things turn out the best. And we send our thoughts, loves and prayers to all of you. And uh, I, I hate to, to continue to um, keep on this conversation of cancer, but uh, Jordan Costa, yeah, two, 2010 draft pick of the Buffalo Bandits, Mississauga, Tomahawks, junior A, junior B player, went to Guelph University. Um, you know, I, you know, looking back, this is a guy that I played against. Um, you know, 
around my age, played with some friends of mine, um, you know, at Guelph. And, uh, you know, it was nice of the Buffalo Bandits to, to put something out. I mean, he hadn't played a game with them. I think he played some exhibition games. You know, he was drafted, you know, a long time ago. Um, but, you know, the class organization that they are, they, they, they put out a note, you know, wishing all the best to, you know, the, the, the Costa family, you know, just 34 years old, you know, just awful, awful to hear another young, healthy at the time before he had to go with this battle. I mean, like, you know, an elite athlete. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing. This, this terrible disease uh, knows no boundaries and doesn't matter if you're have a clean bill of health, uh, it can still get you. So, um, you know, if you're getting to the age where you need to get checked in, get checked in, follow up on with your doctor. If it's, you know, history in your family, um, all the more reason to, to do it even earlier. So uh, just kudos go to everyone uh, of those three families that we mentioned, but also just, you know, anyone dealing with it. Um, you know, our, our hearts, our, our positive vibes are with you. And, and uh, just, just so you know that, you know, these, these games like the Tucker out lymphoma mm-hmm. or the lacrosse out cancer, whatever it may be. Um, they're, they're great to spread awareness. They're great to, to raise funds. Um, so if you're ever have the opportunity to be involved, to donate, to volunteer your time, whatever it may be, um, please do so um, because these initiatives do go a long way. Uh Ryan Keenan named captain of Saskatchewan Rush. Uh, that's just coming out on socials right now. So uh, that's a nice bump for Ryan Keenan. Uh, Lacrosse Classified's got the commissioner, Brett Frude, and executive director of the NLLPA, Reed Reinholdt, on the show this week. So make sure you check out that podcast. Go listen to Back of the Bird with Donnie and the boys talking to Brett as well. Um, again, tons of podcasts out there to keep you busy throughout the week. And next week on this show, We'll give you our preseason awards, where we think teams will finish, how they, why they'll miss playoffs or why they won't miss playoffs. Uh, maybe we'll talk about some of these top 50 lists that the NLL keeps putting out because I know a lot of people have some issues with them, but just gives us more stuff to talk about as we get ready for opening day next Friday, December 1st, Saskatchewan at Halifax, you, Pistol Pete, and Ashley Docking, Albany at Vegas, and then Panther City at Vancouver, myself, Brad Schauner, and Chantel Chand as TSN dubs, does the double dip. And then on Saturday, Calgary at Rochester, Philadelphia at New York to get us started in the 2023-2024 season. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner, the show at OTCB underscore podcast, or find us on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody in the United States. Enjoy the football all weekend. We are just seven days away until we speak again. Stay safe and be excellent to each other.